Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly, and we're back with our friend Chris Milgate of Tightline Media. Welcome back, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me back, Marvin. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we were talking uh, in your last interview with us, and we've talked since. You know, you're working on this great new project, and you're out in the field this summer, and I thought you'd uh, like to share with folks, you know, what you're doing and what you're up to. What I'm doing and what I'm up to. Here we go. I am working in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem this summer. And we talked recently about how I followed salmon for a summer. Well, this summer, it's a little bit more intense. I'm following grizzly bears. So it's a little bit bit more of a serious game than following a fish when you're talking about an animal that can kill you. You have to do things a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. I bet you have one of those big cans of bear spray. (laughs) Actually, what I have is the one size of bear spray that everybody has, but I have multiple cans. So I usually carry more than one at a time. Yeah, fair enough. You know, I hear the stories of the rangers in Yellowstone carrying the basically a fire extinguisher full of it. <laughs> I guess you could do that because, you know, the cans that I'm carrying, technically there's probably about seven seconds of pepper spray in there. So if you're several miles in and then you get a run-in with a bear and you've got to use a can, you certainly want another can to get yourself those miles out in case you have another run-in. You don't want an empty can on you. Yeah, I would not want an empty can on me either, particularly if I was the slowest person in the group. <laughs> that's, the, that's the key. You don't want to be the slowest, but then also you're not really supposed to run. But man, I guarantee you that if you're having a run-in, all you want to do is run. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit more. So you're in the field with the Grizzlies this summer, and I know you've been posting kind of regular updates from the field, but kind of what's going to be the culmination of your project? What I'm doing is following grizzly bears as they move throughout the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. So when a fish migrates from the ocean to Idaho, like the salmon did, they go one way and it's through the river and everyone is in the river. All fish stay in the river and they go one place, they go home, they lay eggs, they die. Grizzly bears don't move like that. So within the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, I have a base camp set up and I move here, there, everywhere based on bear activity. Bear activity is food motivated. So they move around by finding things to eat. And then when they find that, then they'll move on. But while they're moving around, they're going through Yellowstone National Park, Grand Teton National Park, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. They're going through recreation areas, wilderness areas, national parks. But they're running into a lot of things. So what I'm looking at is what helps them and hurts them as they're trying to move around in the West. And as their population expands, that's pretty vital know where the trouble areas are and where the areas are that they have space. That's what they want, space. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I guess a couple of years ago, I was in the park and I always check in with the guys at uh, Blue Ribbon and West Yellowstone about bear activity. And there was kind of a consensus that maybe we had been undercounting the bear population in the park because there were so many more bear encounters. Agreed. I think that that's happened for a long time. And the reason that you see that happening is, say, you know, um, I was born in 73, the same year as the Endangered Species Act. Grizzly bears have been on the endangered species list since 75. In the, in the 80s, there were less than 200 in the greater Yellowstone area. Now there are more than 700. Well, I say 700 because they counted it as the bears recovered and found more space to develop their population. They had this core area that they wanted to count them in. And then what happened is by about a decade ago, they outgrew that core. So the count was off. So there's actually more than a thousand bears in the greater Yellowstone area. They've expanded beyond the area that they were focusing on. And now there's more than a thousand. 
So, yeah, sometimes the count that's actually reported is probably less than what's actually on the ground just because they're just trying to keep up with where they're at and where they're moving through. And that changes. They're expanding. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of the wolves too, right? Because they didn't know where they were supposed to stay in the park. (laughs) Yeah, wolves. Yeah, let's face it. Wildlife does not know any boundaries. And so they don't look at the state borders or the park borders like we do. They wander wherever they want. And that crosses borders and moves into places where people actually live and work and not just go for vacation. And that's where you run into the struggles with things like, what happens to the lot, the livestock that's trying to run through bear country now, now that there is several hundred versus just a few hundred? That changes things dramatically for people trying to live and work in the West. Yeah, absolutely. And mentioning that, I mean, that was a pretty interesting thing today. You were basically on a cattle drive in grizzly country, weren't you? Yeah, so what we did was I met the rancher who had a permit to put his cows on public land. And it's in Montana, and it's not too far from the park, but it's not park land. It's just public forest land. And he has a permit to run cows on it, and he lets those cows out at the beginning of the summer, and they run on public land eating grass. We've had a lot of rain, so there's a lot of grass to eat. But where he's running those bears, or where he's running those cows, there can be several bears in there. And that makes it a little bit more of an anxious issue. You have a, a rancher running livestock. They expect all those livestock to come out alive at the end of the summer. And sometimes they don't. And that is a case of wolves and grizzly bears trying to find something to eat. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I know you're out on the field all summer, but I assume this is going to all culminate in another movie uh, like your movie about salmon. Right. So with salmon, I did one year in the field and then the film came out the next year. It's the same plan for grizzlies. I will follow them this summer. And then the film comes out next year on grizzly ground. And that is so that people can kind of see the behind the scenes of what it's like to make these films and then see what they look like when they come out. You know, in the film that will come out next summer, you'll see that cattle drive and you'll see the rancher trying to push his cows through and what the frustration is for him. You'll also see things like, places where they're starting to put ordinances in that say you have to have a bear-proof garbage can. Those things are starting to happen too. So there's all these different elements that go into it. But what you don't see is the day that I go out on those garbage can disbursement days and I'm in the snow and rain or on the cattle drive when I have 30 mosquito bites on my shoulders. And so those are the kind of the fun things we look at during the road trip, which is what we're in right now. Yeah, very neat. Are you going to have a companion book like you did for your last movie? <laughs> there has been some questions about a book, and I wonder if you know on fish when I when I first started following salmon, there was there wasn't a book, and when I got on the road and the fish fell apart and I fell apart, then there became this interesting dynamic. People wanted to know more about what happened to me, and so on bears, I'm open to the idea. We have to see how things unfold, and then I'll know if it's worthy of a book by the end of the summer. Uh, there you go. So you you hope something interesting happens, but not too interesting. Yeah, not too interesting. A lot of people say, you know, this is dangerous. Certainly, it is to follow grizzlies. But in all reality, I'm not going nose-to-nose with a grizzly bear every day. That's just not smart. I don't need to see them every day to understand the challenges they have on this landscape every day. And that's how I approach it. I didn't see any bears when I was out with the rancher on the cattle drive. And that's how it should be. But they're certainly there. And that causes some changes in how we work, live, and play in the West. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I know too, you know, while you're out in the field this summer uh, with the Bears, that you're kind of giving regular updates. You want to kind of let folks know kind of, you know, where and how often you're updating folks on the status of your Grizzly project and also just in general, kind of where to keep track of all of your adventures. Sure. Thanks for asking about that. So On Grizzly Ground runs now through the end of October, and this is the road trip portion of the project. That means every week on Tuesday, I send out an update that says, this is where I am this week. This is what I'm working on. Take a look. That is on Facebook and Instagram under Chris Milgate. Tightlinemedia.com has all the updates kind of bundled together, which is fun to watch them as a binge, I hear. And then you can also find um, updates on my YouTube channel, which is under Chris Milgate. And that will go through the end of October. And then I kind of go dark, which means I go into edit mode. I need to be be looking at everything I've shot over the summer and put it together. And then the film will come out next year. But most people like tracking the road trip right now, and they're doing that through social media. So it's posted everywhere that I have a platform, which is on everything but TikTok. Yeah, well, there you go. Maybe if you get bored and you don't write a book, you can do TikTok this summer. (laughs) I'd have to figure out how to do it best first before I got out there. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I'm sure your kids could help you out. Well, listen, I wish you the best of luck completing your project, and you're welcome back anytime to give us a status update. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you, Marvin.